Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is the founder of Mission USA, Gwen Fitzgerald. Really? Come on. Wow, he's already there, folks. He's just already <laughs> had enough. Also joining us, director of Mission, Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. Yes, really. <laughs> and joining us all the way from Perkins, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I can't accept it. I can't. Nor should you, sir. A very contentious start to the podcast. Indeed. Normally it takes us, eh, we're at about the 45-second mark. Now, this, is, <laughs> this is normally when it gets contentious. That's fair. Well, as you can tell, we're all just in super high spirits. Yeah. Right. Just enjoying this gorgeous uh, January <laughs> weather. Things, you know, no chaos at all in our day jobs. It's, it's all great. Just, it's all just beautiful. And it's wonderful. We're a remote celebration, I think. And given that, it's time for our annual celebration. And I'm afraid I have to declare a Thaddeus emergency. Woo! Whoa. Are you queuing the Thaddeus uh, music for the theme music? Would you there? like to do the music? Oh, I, I, you know, if, if you feel like you want it. Well, it just wouldn't be the Thaddeus without it, It was more fanfare than I was thinking. I was, yeah. I was in my mind. I was getting ready for like a twenty-five thousand dollar pyramid kind of dun 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 whatever that right, thing right. is. Yeah, you no, know? you got it. It's or, like that was big, really regal. It's like an opening ceremonies kind Absolutely. of. Absolutely, we got know? a real, wow. real Aaron Copeland thing going. Yeah, on. yeah, yeah. So uh, that's fantastic. So we, we, if you're new to the show, the Thaddees are our annual, sure. Um, award sure. award show uh, year end look back like all your good year end shows we're doing this on the third week of January because yeah. we want to make sure like stuff didn't sneak in at the end there sure absolutely yeah. how companies you know they do the, the, the fiscal quarter you want to make sure so we just you know just in case something really cool happened in the last couple of weeks we well and you, you, get, you know you have to give the judges time to analyze all the uh, candidates absolutely, absolutely. if you had it right diligence. at the end of the year that you know it would the daddies have gotten so political you know, right, right. Everybody always knows who's going to win every year, so we feel like if we pushed it back a little bit, we give you know just give it a little more time to be a little more natural. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. Not to mention uh, that's extra bribing time. Yeah, that's right. And yes. We're totally open to that. Absolutely. Being a Chicago-based operation, uh, the yes. votes are for sale, folks. That's right. early and often. <laughs> yeah. So I have in front of me the Thaddeus categories. Oh. Price Waterhouse envelopes, mm. though they are in. Welcome to the annual Thaddeus here for the year of our Lord. Oh, 17. Did you want more of that? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Okay. okay. I, I figured you'd get mad if I didn't read your 017 joke you put in the Daddy yeah. script here. Yeah. Okay. First category Daddy's classic. Okay. Best beard. Yes. Oh, yeah. The nominees Hotly are. Hotly contested every year. Yes. The wow. nominees are Jesus. I don't know Jesus. No, it's Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. I know him. Okay. Him I'm aware of. Good beard. Lots yeah, of other oh, good yeah. qualities. Strong beard. Very strong beard. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Matt King, if I do say so myself. Oh. Surprise yeah. last minute candidate. Our own Glennard Fitzgerald. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know what, fellas? It was just an honor to be nominated. In the last <laughs> I'm gonna say the last two months of this year, Glenn has really gone strong on the beard. Well, yeah, it, 
it it was a sort of a late entry, sure. you know, still in a rebuilding phase, sure. uh, trying to yeah. get it dialed in. Hot young up and comer. Yeah, that's what it is, and and you know, so it's just an honor to be nominated. Yeah. Well, let's 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 go see the winner. I open the Price Waterhouse envelope. The winner. Well, I I'd love to be surprised, but I'm not. That'd be Matt King. Woo! Woo! Wow. As, as we were talking about right before we came on air, the last time I was fully clean shaven, I came into Glenn's house, and his first reaction was. What's with the face? So, um, you know, there's a little backstory to all facial hair. All right, we move on to our next category. Another favorite 2017 Nemesis of the Year. Oh, nice. wow. The nominees are, and again, I read directly off the envelope the judges have handed me, politics, enough said. Yeah. Nominee two, lasers in the sanctuary. Yeah. 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 Mm. Both a real scourge and... The Christian version of Panic at, this, at the Disco. That's right. Which would be a nemesis as well. Yes. Uh, number three, n- nominee for Nemesis of the Year, Stalkers. Sure. Yeah. 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 A lot of Stalkers. Another there. late entry. I believe this only came in the last month. Our final nominee for 2017, Say That, Nemesis of the Year, Podcast Adultery. Ooh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's a very good point. real problem. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The winner, yeah, 2017. about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you again. should be. But the winner... 2017, that is Nemesis of the Year, Laser Beams. Laser Beams. The worst, Laser Beams. It is the worst, and also, you know, we don't have Laser Beams. There's a little bit of jealousy in that one. Totally. We could do a a lot of ministry if we had some Laser Beams. We do laser ministry. That's the good ministry. (laughs) Yeah. It's both ministry to lasers. That's right. And by lasers. Right. The wounded healer. Exactly right. That's right. What was one of the main miracles Jesus did? Healing the blind. How could we do that? Lasers. <laughs> there you go. All right. Our next category. This is a new category this year, but I like this. Best thing we are too old to understand in 2017. Yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. That's this good. happens quite a bit. This one, I believe in the past we have had best outdated reference. So this is kind of the equal and opposite version of that. Right. This is the thing is the audience brought up to us and we just didn't know. Uh, so uh, nominee one, Scary Clowns. Right, sure. Yeah. It was like a yeah. whole thing. Like there was a movie about it, but there were also real scary clowns. Right. We didn't get any of that. Yeah, we don't know what that is. All right. Nominee two, thing we were too old to understand. Twerking? Is that a thing? I think it's, that's like, I don't know if that's, if that is a thing. And I thought that was like when you stood up too fast and carrying a box, you twerked your yeah. back. Yeah, yeah that's so right. You, go. you had to take a couple days me. off. That's happened to me a lot. So I'm when t- I told someone that I, I had to miss a couple of days of work because of twerking, they were very confused. Yeah, I, I, you know, I've actually twerked in church before. You sure, know, Stand up too fast, you know, because they do like the benediction. You yeah. got to shoot up, you know. <laughs> I'll, I'll Category first, story second. So our final nominee for Things We Were Too Old to Understand in 2017, planking? But that was like a while ago, right? And again, I read directly from the envelope. Yeah, I don't um and the winner, thing we were too old to understand in 2017, the winner is all of them. We don't know. Yeah, that's good. Know. That's yeah, very inclusive. That's really true. Yeah. true. Now, uh, we'll, we'll take a momentary sponsor break to talk about twerking in church. Because oh. uh, we, we, make, we make some music. We have... Uh, sure. Uh, Jed puts together for us. We put together through Bridgebox. We put out on our radio show, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, we've got all genres. We've got the folk. we got uh, some EDM. Country and Western. Country and Western, both kinds. And hip-hop, a fair amount of it. So, And we've started recently playing some of these songs before our bridge service, kind of as folks are kind of milling around and getting there. So, you know, it gets a nice you know, ambiance, things to do, and we get to find out what songs people like. So that's always very cool. So one of the first weeks we did that, we were playing a great hip-hop track that uh, Jed had put together some friends of ours, and um, people were liking it. 
Right. People were getting down. Right. People were enjoying it. Leading to uh, Miss Patricia, who's one of the uh, the kind of elder <laughs> states ladies that the, the church were at, to, uh, to comment that she did not care that they were doing, and I quote, that's that modern dancing. Yes. Right. Yes. So, of all... And, you, and she, cr- she means, uh, you know, not from the 1800s. A certain amount of enthusiasm <laughs> that she thought may not have been totally suited to church. That's and right. she had a point. So anything you think, well, that's too crazy to have happened to them in real life. It's always happened. Yeah. yeah. Moving on, our ca- next category for the 2017, that is, oh, this is always a favorite, Best Jed. Yeah. Best Jed. Wow. That's a good point. Our nominees are Legalistic Jed. Always a favorite. Bible Numerology Jed. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was, that, was, that was a good addition to 2017. Oh, yeah. It really yeah. was. This was a good addition from previous years. It's a, this is, I think this is the indie film of the category. You know, It doesn't get as wide an exposure. It's not everywhere, but the people who like it really like it. That would be Palpatine Jed. That's Ooh, my favorite yeah. right there. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's, one, that's a favorite of my kids, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. They often ask for a little clip of Palpatine Jed. <laughs> <laughs> there's something... Really disheartening in that, you know, and entertaining in a way that Lee's kids are the sweetest people on the planet, I, but they I, love the worst thing. On I the demand show. right now there is a Palpatine Jed that tells them to eat their vegetables and go to bed. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, you know, Anna, Nora, Jack, if you're if you're listening, you just you know, these are your friends at the Say That Podcast, and we we love you. We're we're grateful for you listening, and and now go to bed. <laughs> that's good we thank Palpatine Jed for crashing the stage kind of, uh, Oscar streaker style here at the I'm gonna Daddies. let you finish Taylor yeah. oh my God. Palpatine Kanye I'm just saying <laughs> yeah. YouTube people if anybody wants to make it I'd laugh Okay. our winner for the best Jed of 2017 Bible Numerology Jed yeah. this is Bible Numerology Jed's First win. Yes. That's right. Yeah. His first win. <laughs> the number one beginning with primacy. Fantastic. All right. Uh, this is this is one that's near and dear to my own heart. 2017 Ruiner of Christmas Award. Oh, yeah. 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 The nominees wow. for the 2017 Daddy Ruiner of Christmas are Moses Sweater. Yeah, the Moses. <laughs> you may all recall that. Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the Naughty List tablet. Yeah, that Which, was... follow-up, uh, our friend Jenna, I believe, told us that she had also found that in a store. Yeah, that's wow. crazy. That is nationwide. Okay. That's Horrifying, amazing. though it is. Uh, 2017, our next nominee, live nativity scene featuring live and biblically accurate defecation. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Wow. yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's that's going to happen. The, may not be the most pleasant part of the story. But it's in there. All the details are important. That's right. Our next nomination, Christmas lasers. Yeah. 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 We did get a picture from of a Christmas friend of ours lasers. Yeah. of Christmas laser beams in church. Yep. Next nominee, the war on the war on the war on Christmas. Okay. Right. <laughs> happy holidays. Right. Happy, happy holidays. <laughs> Our final nominee for the 2017 winner of Ruiner of Christmas, Glenn. Yeah. <laughs> also the winner, Glenn ruins Christmas. Yeah. yeah. He should That's be ashamed, right. but he's not. I every year I do something horrible and it's not planned, but every year I do something horrible. This year there was a lovely brunch that I shared with Jed and and his lovely wife and my wife and we had a brunch together on Christmas morning and they the ladies wanted to play a card game. Right. What and could they, go wrong? They did not know how to play the card game and we're trying to play the card game, and I began mocking the game. Yes. Horribly, horribly bad. Yes, and really. 
no one was enjoying that, right. except for you know myself. Which is your favorite kind of comedy. Exactly right. And at some point, it became clear I was very near actual death. <laughs> I mean, like really close, like these people are going to spaz out and kill me with a fork. And Jed had found that to be the funniest thing he'd yeah. ever seen in his wow. life. Yeah. That's right. Glenn, the Meryl Streep of ruining Christmas. That's right. That's me. <laughs> Unparalleled run of dominance. Uh, this is our final of the major categories, and we've got some lightning rounds. The final major category, 2017, that is Best Behave Say That Podcast member. Mm-hmm. Matt King, not eligible. Jed Brewer, not eligible. Glenn Fitzgerald, not eligible. Mm. The winner is Lee Younger. Woo! Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's kind a low bar, like he, but he cleared it comfortably. Kind of feels I like didn't even just make won all the episodes. You know, just it just feels like he won by default. Really. I feel I feel like lack of exposure really helps your chances of winning that <laughs> yeah, one. That's right. That's like true. being associated with this podcast hurts your chance. That's of being right. Yeah, yeah. Two oh. sweetest words in the English language: default. Absolutely. All right, we go to the lightning round. These are not casual nominees. These are categories in which one person was so outstanding that they clearly stood above. We'll head to the lightning round right here. The Profiles and Courage Award. Again, I read directly from the Price Waterhouse envelope. Mm. The Provost and Courage Award 2017 goes to Glenn mm. for not saying during a recent listener question involving the game Dungeons and Dragons, quote, the most important thing is to pick a safe word and share that with your dungeon master. <laughs> I did not say that. Wow. You well, did not say that. You are brave, my so friend. So that's pretty that's yeah, pretty, pretty good. courageous, yes. I'm Kate, you know what? That's a that's I should have an award. Yes. Absolutely. For, for and profiles showing and that kind award. of I showed a lot of restraint, I thought, on that. <laughs> The 2017 Edith Love Rumpel Award for Most Offensive Singleness of the Year. Well, there really can't only be one winner. That would be Matt King. Yep. Yeah, I think we, you know, I think we all knew that. We, was ha- we haven't heard from Miss Edith in a while. Maybe I broke her. Yeah. Who can say? <laughs> all right, the next category: Most Disastrous On Air Snack of 2017. There have been a lot of loud, yeah. smacking nominees. <laughs> yes, but the winner, and I think this is by a landslide: New Zealand's Perky Na Na Face Explosion. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. it was. That was really crazy. That pants. was tough audio and even worse uh, visual for yeah. those of you who aren't here. Lee? Also, we have the, uh, the Lightning Round 2017 uh, snacks sent in by viewers that Lee did not get to share. There were many. Lee didn't get any of them, but uh, the winner by far wait. away is the Tim Tam. That's true. Yeah. No Tim Tams. Also, wait for all the categories, Lee. That may come up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> our next uh, Lightning Round... Nominee, Most Earnest Christian Etiquette Award. Again, no, I read directly from our nice. friends at PricewaterhouseCooper. I don't even know what this means. Goes to Glenn for probably not using Jed's toothbrush the last time he visited Jed's house. <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> so, probably. There's probably that. sure. Probably. No, I mean, there's no way to know for sure. We have no sure. way of sure. knowing. So, you know. Yeah. Yes, but you, I think you could probably just go ahead and use your toothbrush anyway. Sure. Sure. Just another way for us to be close to one Well, another. we're proud to move on to our next uh, prestigious <laughs> award. Spo- this is our sponsored award. The 2017 Audubon Society Award for Most Outstanding Care of Birds That Crave Human Flesh. <laughs> the winner is Mr. Jed Brewer. All right. Yes. <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, annual traditions, Jed, we're just going to check in. Is the bird fine? The bird is fine. Good to know. Moving on to our <laughs> next category. Already been a preview tonight the 2017 say thatty for the least cookies received by a say that on-air personality <laughs> the winner by by and far is mr lee younger Woo! yes zero cookies received he got nothing 
If you if you'd like to make it up to Lee, you can send all your cookies to PO Box three one six Forest Park Illinois, right? And uh, Lee will just he'll he'll love them. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Spiritual the least speaking. helpful suggestion of that East categories earlier this afternoon while on his way to IKEA with his wife that would be Jed Brewer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if, I'll give you a peek into the inner workings, which is uh, Glenn text both Jed and myself saying I'm putting together the that East. I need some category ideas. And Jed immediately started with entirely unhelpful suggestions we could never say on air. Yeah. Right. That's right. All right. Our final category. Mm. Very exciting. 2017, Thaddy for the best Say That podcast superfan. A lot of strong entries. We've had uh, representatives from multiple continents and countries. We've had people come to help at the bridge. We've had people share... Uh, wonderful personal letters about the way the show has impacted them that we we shared amongst ourselves and were deeply touched by. The winner for the 2017 Best Say That Podcast Superfan is you. We mean specifically you. Not everyone else listening. Not everybody Not else. Just, Just you. 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 You're you. the best. You, you're the best. Not you those other you. people. Just you. you. Yeah, we, we, don't, we hate those other people. That's right. <laughs> we appreciate you. Just you. You're the only one we like. Yeah. Oh, you. That's right. And finally, the 2017 award for best box. Mm. The winner is Bridge Box. Woo! Yeah. With a combo win for best force transition into the plug. <laughs> Going to Glenn for that particular bit of writing. There you go. Fantastic. If you want... <laughs> Glenn keeping up his streak, his of lifetime achievement award in transition ruining. <laughs> That's right. Even the ones he sets up himself. That's correct. If you'd like to keep us going through the uh, 2018 that is for next year, we we're absolutely we have our eyes on the Kodak Theater. Sure. Got our eyes on a. We we don't think we can afford the good Franco to host, but maybe one of your lesser Francos. Sure, sure. We've got plans. We'd like to keep it going. We'd love it to be a a black tie affair. So um, we'd love if you'd like to be part of that. Put down some seed money. You can of course sign up for Bridgebox. That's the way we would fund that. Until then, we'll continue to spend that Bridgebox money on uh, helping to put together the media we do on uh, hiring part time employees to serve as deacons. Our bridge program doing doing great. We had uh, our two newest deacons just this week. We're getting together the first time to look at putting together a 12-step meeting list. They're going to go to the actual uh, meetings and find the good ones and point all those to the folks who have the bridge, which is awesome work and mm-hmm. indicative of the kind of amazing life-changing stuff our deacons are doing. And they are only able to do that because of folks like you supporting Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox 2018. Fantastic time to jump on. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. If I was all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First question comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, how can you recognize when someone is playing with you or with your feelings? And Jen, why don't you start us off? That's a great question. You know, it's very, very hard to speak to a person's intentions, right? I mean, the thing about, you know, they're playing with my feelings is, you mean, they're, they're trying to, they're intentionally trying to manipulate you and in, in your feelings. And it's, uh, it's hard to, to know if someone is intentionally trying to do that. But here's the good news. It actually doesn't matter if they mean to do it or right. not. That's right. Um, we can tell if our feelings are being messed with pretty easily by asking, how do we feel after we interact with this person? Mm-hmm. In other words, every relationship has ups and downs. Sometimes we hang out and it's you know good, and sometimes we hang out and it's a bit of a bummer. But 
if you hang out with a person and pretty consistently you feel guilty at the end of that, you feel right. ashamed at the end of that, you feel bad about yourself at the end of that, then that's a relationship that is playing with your feelings. Mm-hmm. Whether that person means to do that or not, whether they're attempting to do that or not, it really is neither here nor there. They are doing that. That is, that is what's happening here. But here's why this is important is – you need to safeguard your own mental and emotional health. And so to that end, you need to do that whether another person means to do something bad to you or not. One of the funny things, particularly about Christian culture, is we have a way of saying, you know, if they don't mean anything bad by it, then probably I should just suck it up because, you know, I mean, and that's that's not how life works. You know, if someone, if if they consistently make you coffee and they put a little bit of cyanide in it every time they make you coffee, it doesn't matter if they mean to or not. Um, they, they got confused. They thought it was creamer. You're, you're still poisoned. You're, you're still poisoned. We, we need to not drink the coffee they serve, no matter what. Um, again, it, bringing their intentions into it, it clouds it because we, we can't really know their intentions. But again, it doesn't really, really make any difference. If you're having poisonous interactions here, you, you have you owe it to yourself to get enough distance there where you're not being poisoned anymore. Now, when we get that distance, we may look at it and we may say, you know, I feel like maybe there are elements to the way I interact with them that are making these interactions worse than they need to be and blah, blah, blah. And that may be true. Sometimes there can be elements of like that. But we really can't make those estimations until we've got enough distance that we are no longer actively being wounded by this relationship. Yeah. And in the vast majority of cases, we're going to find, no, that was just a messed up relationship. They, Whether they meant to or not, they were doing messed up things that were hurting me, and it's good that I am away from that full stop. So we want to give you, we want to encourage you to give yourself the permission to recognize when you are being wounded, whether a person means to do that or not, and separating yourself from that situation so that you can begin to get some healing off of it. It's a fantastic point. And Lee, I'd love to go to you here because Jed is lining this out and I think exactly the right way of intention really is not a, should not be a factor here. That's particularly true in things like romantic relationships and friendships and familial relationships. If someone's uh, wounding you, as Jed put it, then it doesn't really matter if their heart's in the right place or whatever. Now, there are some other situations where the phrase uh, someone toying with your feelings could be uh, true. Uh, it's, you know, the, that could be the boss mentioning a promotion as well. Why don't you just stick it out? And we know it's bad. And then that doesn't come through. There could be some things like that. So, and that's, that's also could be you know, toying with feeling, but I think what Jed says still applies. So, Lee, let's look at kind of if we can get some litmus tests here for uh-huh. there's a difference between there's some things that would bring emotions into it, which are, you know, I'm not getting what I want. This isn't turning out the way I thought, which those are a little different than being wounded in the way Jed mm-hmm. is talking about. So yeah. what are some litmus tests we can give to maybe look at that? Well, one of the things that I would ask myself in any kind of relationship like this where you may have a question about it <clears throat> is some things that you could ask yourself are, Am I allowed to have my own tastes? Yep. Um, in this relationship, no. do I get uh, picked on or even humiliated? Uh, you know, if I like the wrong things. Um, a lot of times in in relationships that are very manipulative or controlling, um, basically there'll be one person in the relationship that decides what uh, what everybody else likes. Yeah. Um, this is cool. Everything else sucks. If you don't like it, you suck. And in fact, you don't like it. You like what I like. We like the same things. 
uh, we don't we don't do this, we don't dress this way, we don't think this way, we don't watch this team, whatever the thing is, we don't like this genre of whatever because it's stupid, and anybody that likes it is stupid. And these are kind of it feels like small things, but they but people get caught up in relationships where even their tastes are manipulated. Um, and, and not only that kind of stuff, but they're the kinds of things that they want to do. Do you feel like you have the freedom in your relationships to be who you are and do the kinds of things you want to do with your time and like the kind of stuff that you want to like? If not, or if you have the feeling in general that, um, this thing about me is wrong, um, or this this attitude of mine is wrong and I feel ashamed because of that, then you are, you are probably, you, you probably want to take a look at whether or not you are in a situation where you are being manipulated, where you are in kind of what psychologists would call like a gaslighting situation where you are, you're made to feel like you're crazy or that you're wrong or that you should be ashamed or embarrassed of the things that are about you. As Jed is saying, if you're in a situation like that, not only you want to get distance from that kind of relationship, that's not a healthy place to be. But here, the, the next step is once we get some distance, I think one of the questions we want to ask is, what would it, like, what would it be like for me to find out who I actually am? Mm-hmm. Apart from this person, yes. what are the things that I like to do? What kind of a haircut would I like to get? How would I like to dress? How would I like to spend my free time? Those feel like small things. They're not small things. Those are the things that make up life. And those are the the, the things that make up your enjoyment or your, your experience of your life. And when you are caught up in a manipulative or a controlling relationship, those are the kinds of things that are taken away from you bit by bit, little by little, over a long period of time that sap you. They take you out of the picture. So when you get some separation, that's what we want to find out is who you are. If you have uh, just one more quick thing, as far as kind of a litmus test, if you have big things about your relationship that you would be, you would be embarrassed if your friends found out, Hmm. um, that's another key indicator that we've got some stuff that you, you know, somewhere in your uh, in, in your thinking and in your emotions, that this is off, um, that there's something hinky here, there's something off. Um, if your friends approach you with concerns or questions, do you automatically feel defensive? All, all of us have some amount of defensiveness about our relationships and stuff like that. That's natural. But can you, you know, can you step back and look at your friends' concerns and questions about your relationship? These are all some kind of litmus test stuff that we want to look at. But especially if you do feel like your tastes and your likes and stuff like that are controlled by another person, then when we get some distance, it's time to find out what you're into, find out what you like, and get some freedom and figure out who you are. It's a fantastic point. All that stuff Lee said was really, really good. And I'd like to pick up on the one particular thing he was talking about there, which is just kind of that not being allowed to be who you are and kind of um, rationalizing that in a certain way. There's, I think there can be, particularly in certain uh, toxic friendship dynamics, even family dynamics and romantic dynamics, that idea that, well, being wounded is part of the romanticization of this. I'm yeah. just... I am carrying this, and it will it will all work out. It's kind of the other thing to talk about, that gaslighting of if I can just get 
th- these things sorted out and do this right, then everything will click into place. That's right. And that's how do we a, a diagnose what's wrong with that thinking and be pushed mm. past it? Well, I think there is. Uh, we love the idea, all of us, of completely abdicating any sort of discernment, confrontation, thought, decision making, analysis. Any of that, we, yeah, we love th- giving that up. Thinking, thinking makes my eye hurt, Glenn. That's right. Uh, that's you know, uh, this is why cults work. This is why some uh, political parties yeah. that are becoming cults work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is, um, you know, and it, it, it is. Uh, it's but it's part of our, our all of our human nature that everyone has this inside them. We don't like that process of having to critically work through everything and figure out the implications of everything. You know? We talked a lot on the show about how uh, people get in trouble doing that with Christian stuff, just the idea right. that it'd be the movie or the book or whatever. Since it's Christian, I don't have to do any filtering. It's just, exactly. It's just That's the whole thing. And that actually leads to a lot of bad stuff. You know, it's it you, you end up opening yourself up for a lot, but... Part of what that leads to, as it pertains to this question, is you're sort of wa- walking around like that open wound. You know, that mm-hmm. just yeah. you, there's a difference between being vulnerable, which is being open and uh, being willing to be honest and share your honest self and your authentic self with other people, uh, being vulnerable in terms of expressing your feelings clearly and openly. You may be doing that in a polite way. You may be doing mm-hmm. that in a gentle and loving way, but you're you're sharing your authentic self with other people. That's vulnerability. But when you're just a wound, you're yes. allowing yourself to be wounded. You're not doing anything to set a boundary on that. And then you're walking around with that wound and you're letting everyone re-open uh, that wound again. Uh, that's a, a move where you're uh, you're saying I'm playing a martyr type role here. I'm I'm letting you mistreat me, and I'm taking it so well. And I guess that kind of proves that I'm like Jesus. When they make the movie of my life, I'll be played by Sally Fields. That's right. <laughs> but ultimately. Uh, being a Christian does not mean that you are uh, free to let other people walk all over you, and uh, it, it, you, it means you have a responsibility to God to make hard decisions and to set strict boundaries and to change the nature of these relationships, and if those relationships can't change, to be willing to end those relationships. Uh, but ultimately, if you—I guess the, the, the bottom line is— if if you think someone else is playing with your feelings, they're most likely by the time you get to writing it down and sending it in to us, it it something's gone wrong here. You're almost certainly there. But even if you're not, if you feel like that, then your gauge is off in such a way that you need to fall back and deal with you. If you're if you're thinking people are doing something offensive when they clearly have no intent of that, well then that's a problem with you within you that needs to be worked on. So either way, it's it's saying I I need to fall back and regroup. Yeah, I think it's a great point. Uh, one thing I'd add to the very very good stuff these guys have said is going to that point that Glenn has picked up and he's describing. There's a certain type of balance. Yeah. So something is out of balance here. That could, as he's saying, there's a chance that something within you that's reading slides so they aren't there is getting 
wound up about stuff. And if that's the case, then you, we need to take a minute and rebalance yourself. And that, that's easy. That's doable right in. We, we, we can help you do that. The other option is that there's someone who is either intentionally or unintentionally, and as Jed and Lee both pointed out, it doesn't matter which, keeping you off balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at its best, that is just not a helpful relationship dynamic. At its worst, that is an abusive behavior. That yeah, is a right. something an abusive pattern of trying to make sure that uh, the other party doesn't ever really feel totally comfortable and settled in. And whether, right. I guess we're saying, whether it's a friendship, a, a family member, a, a romantic relationship, that's not a sign of anything good that is here or coming. That mm-hmm. someone wants you to, or is doing things that make you feel that kind of walking on eggshells, not knowing how they feel one way that we talk about a lot in the, in the dating stuff that the best thing you can do is be as upfront as possible, as soon as possible about, I would like to take you on a date. I would not like to have a nice, totally a romantic cup of coffee. I would like it to be a date. Part of the reason is because holy crap, you people broke dating the other, but a big part of that is that really does help everybody get on the same footing which is something you should want. You should not want someone who says, well, I'm willing to deign to eat, drink coffee near you. <laughs> we'll see if it's a date or not, depending on right. how you play your cards. That's right. nothing healthy about that. So we're looking at this, as you're saying, how can you recognize when someone is doing that? Um, as these guys will all point out, there's something wrong in this dynamic if you're writing that question in. So the, mm. the pertinent question may be, is this something that is external or internal? Mm-hmm. So if right. you if you get some help if you get some, some you get talked to with some friends if you feel good about the place you're going in your life and again feel free to email us about this kind of stuff and you say no I feel like normally I'm I'm pretty good on this then we know it's something external and then you can apply the really really good advice these guys gave you there all right we move on to our second question here this also came in anonymously it says how can I practically honor my parents it seems like I always break that commandment very good question and Lee why don't you kick us off. I'd love to. And of course, a lot of this kind of depends on your station in life. How old are you? Are you living at home still? These types of questions. Are you getting yourself, if you are, are you moving towards a position where you are living outside of your house? But regardless of where you are in the middle of this, one thing is true. There are few things in the world that are more misunderstood by both parents and kids than the relationship that parents and kids are supposed to have once the kids have grown. Mm. Um, Mm. This is a thing that is a perennial issue, just across boundaries, just everybody has this question. The deal is, and the reason it's such a difficult thing to figure out, is that when, when, when a parent first has a child, you're doing everything for that child. You are in total control of their schedule. You're in total control of their food. You're in total control of their clothing, all of that kind of stuff, just their total care. And then as you raise them, you give them rules and you tell them what to do, both to protect them and to train them. And what's supposed to happen is as a child grows and becomes older and older, that parent is supposed to be handing over more responsibility and more decisions over the individual life to that child, to that person, giving them a sense of not only responsibility, but also personal dignity, that I am my own person and I'm going to be living my own life. And they're supposed to be equipping that child to be able to do that stuff so that when they go out in the world, they can actually live their own life. 
Um, and what they're supposed to do is transition out of that role where they're the coach and they're making all the rules and setting the entire agenda. They're supposed to transition out of that role into a role that's more of like an encourager or a, uh, you know, a, a safe place to land or even just like a cheerleader or a friend. Um, that's where we want to end up once the child is grown. That's kind of the ideal. And what happens a lot of times is that you have parents who insist on keeping and maintaining control over decisions, how you live your life, what your attitude is going to be like, how you respond to people, how you spend your money, who you hang out with, and stuff like that. And so, and then when we look at the the Bible verses about how kids are supposed to treat their parents and, you know, Kids that are living in the home, um, little kids are supposed to obey their parents. Grown kids, we have this command to honor our parents. And what's the difference in that? The thing is, is that when you get out of this situation, your parents may not make that transition well. In fact, very few make that transition well. A lot of parents still want to maintain that control. And what may have to happen is you may have to have a a very bold and strong conversation where you establish what the new boundary is. I am my own person. This is the way I'm going to make these decisions over my life. And then within that boundary, as as long as everybody's respecting that boundary that you've set up, the honor piece after that is easy. Uh, you reach out to them, you care about them, you, um, you know, if, if everybody, if nobody's violating that boundary, then you can have a relationship of mutual respect. And hopefully if you can, if you can, you know, a, a friendship and stuff like that, where you're reaching out, where you care about your folks and that honor piece works in there. The problem is, is if there's a total violation of that boundary or they don't accept it, if they always want to be the same parent, like they, like they were when you were three years old, then you can't really do that. Because you have to be able to live your own life. And so all of that stuff about what it means to honor your parents becomes cloudy. Because to honor your parents as a grown child, it does not mean subjugation. You're not still in that role. And especially if you've moved out of the house and you're doing your own thing, making your own money and stuff like that. So I think that before we even look at what this honor question means, we may have to have a tough and bold conversation where we establish what the new boundary is in a way that our parents can understand it. That doesn't have to be rude. It doesn't have to be mean. You don't have to drag up a bunch of trash or anything like that, but you may have to do that in a bold way. I know that in my life, I did have to do that, Um, particularly with my dad. had to have a very strong conversation where we said, this is going to be the new relationship between us. And then after that, the honor piece becomes much more easy to figure out. It's a great point. I think it's a really fantastic place to start. I'd love to get you here. I think uh, Lee started us off on a really strong foot there with that idea of we need to do some defining here. Yeah. Um, And one thing he he definitely brought up and I think is is worth exploring more is honor and obey are different words. That's right. If the commandment was meant to be, you shall always obey your parents, they would have written that. Right. So honor means something different. So how do we apply that to a situation maybe where our parents are really insisting that it means just do what I say, which we get yeah. a strong whiff up from this question. How do, how do we know what the Bible actually means by that and go about applying that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of what you may be picking up on as you're listening to this is uh, we can try and answer these questions in the abstract, or we can mm-hmm. try and answer the, the fact that 
every time someone asks us about honor honoring parents, that's a parent who is not acting well <laughs> and is that's demanding right. that you put up with it. Yeah. That's roughly 100% of the time that versus quote. Honor me! That's right. <laughs> so... If someone's acting dishonorable and they're saying, you got to honor me anyway, because I had sex with your mother. (laughs) (laughs) And that does not, that does not follow. Okay. So, uh, that's, that's not what that is. Um, but I think, uh, the first step, if we want to talk about, you know, taking into account everything Lee is saying here and say, okay, let's figure out how to move forward. First step is is trying to work with this person. That's really where where Lee was leaving off there. The idea that you're you're changing this dynamic, but you're holding on an olive branch. You're saying let's let's figure out how we can change this relationship as I'm growing older here. But I want to work with you. I don't want to be you know. The, as Lee is saying, sometimes there's a control thing that the parents want to have, and you're saying, okay, I'm not giving you the control. Right. But I would. I am giving you a voice in the process. I am listening to what you're saying. I am considering it. I'm giving it weight and gravity and respect. Mm-hmm. I'm really respecting your input, and I really care about it. I may not go your way every single time, but I do respect it, and I do want to hear it as long as you can say it in a in a way that's not controlling and manipulative and all of that. Um, uh, I think a lot of times when I see sort of adult or, 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 or close to adult uh, uh, kids fussing with their parents, it's uh, or they're having a conflict with their parents, it's a constant grating, mm-hmm. yelling. There's never any sense of let's meet in the middle. And if you want to do the righteous thing, you're inviting that person to meet you in the middle. If if your mm-hmm. parents aren't willing to meet you in the middle on that, well, then then that's it. There, there is nothing left. You, you know, there, right. there's, there's not a, what, what can you do for heaven's sake at that point? Uh, you know, uh, my parents, for example, uh, bless them. They were born in the depression and they sort of grew up in the shadow of that. And they had a lot of problems with money It really messed with their minds in a lot of ways. And they, they did the best they could with that, but uh, the best that they could do with that still sucked pretty bad. Not problems with money in the sense that they were poor. Problems in the sense well, yeah, they had no. hang-ups about money. Well, they had huge hang-ups about money, and and a lot of people in their generation did as well. And so it's it's not a phenomenon unique to them, but it it just became almost laughably bad as we as I was going through that transition of you know through college and and out to start my own career. And many times I, I did. I tried to hold out the olive branch there and say, let's, let's you know, why don't we, why don't we just, why don't we meet in the middle? Why don't we be cool? But why don't we figure out a system and set up a thing? And they they weren't willing to do that. And so, uh, you know, when I graduated college, I got my own job, and uh, they they were going to go forward with continuing to have the extremely overbearing and crazed view of money that they were going to impose <laughs> upon me. And, and that's when I explained to them, no, no, that is over now. Your powers no longer work here. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I am not going to listen to a single word that you say ever again on this subject. Why? Because I tried to have a healthy, functional relationship with you, and you just could not bring yourself to that. Bless your heart. So that's not happening again. So uh, we have to we have to 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 figure out a way to to 
to to try and find that middle ground. That's our responsibility. That's our end of this thing. They have a responsibility as well mm-hmm. to not exasperate their children. I believe that's in the Bible. It really is. Uh, um, but I think if you can't do any of that, let's say all of that does not work out, here's one thing I do want you to focus on, and that is bringing honor to your parents. Mm-hmm. And that's something you really can do. Uh, you can live your life in an honorable way that makes your parents look good, whether they, strictly speaking, mm-hmm. deserve it or not. But that's a thing. That's mm-hmm. you know, you, If your parents did the best they could and it still kind of sucked, then... You can you can honor that, and you can bring honor to your family, and 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 I think that's something real and good that you can focus on, and it 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 puts it into something you can control. I think it's a really great point, and Jed, I'd love to get you to pick up more up on that because I think uh, to pick up right on what Glenn's saying there, if you go about making it a goal to live a life as a person that is honorable, yeah. There's going to be a lot more honor just kind of spurting out in all directions. That includes towards your parents. So maybe Absolutely. that's a good place to start. There's no doubt about it. Well, let's, let's note this as we look at the idea of living honorably. You know, much of what, if you read Christian books, if you watch Christian TV shows, if you listen to a lot of mainstream preaching, so you, you're you know, experiencing Christian culture, here's where most of that is coming from, is I'm going to give you a best case that doesn't actually exist— and I'm going to give you advice based on that best case. So when it comes to honoring your parents, here's how it'll work. If you had parents that were the godliest people you had ever met, and they just loved the Lord Jesus, and they're a part of a great church, and they just devoted themselves to raising you just right, and they just poured into your life, and they encouraged you, and then they really, they throttled back when the time was right, as you got to be a bit older, and they encouraged you to be your own person, and they celebrated your choice of spouse, and when you and Nancy got together, they actually, as a wedding gift, of course they paid for the wedding, but they had saved up so you could make a down payment on your first home together, and it's just wonderful, and they're always happy happy to watch the grandkids and their greatest joy in their lives is just to be in encouragement and cheering section. And given that that's the kind of parents you have, now let's talk about how to honor them. Okay. <laughs> that's where the almost everything in Christian culture comes from is this best case that does not exist for yeah, anyone. Yeah, I, I'd love to meet these people. It'd be like being <laughs> high all the time. Yes. All right. By contrast, okay, that doesn't exist. The right. thing I just—I right. mean, it exists in Christian books, in Christian magazines, and Christian I, yeah, TV. Yeah, but it doesn't it exi- exist in the Mother's Day sermon. It exists in the Mother's Day sermon. <laughs> yeah, right before we pass that plate, yeah. let's talk about how great Mama was. Yeah, yeah, it does not exist in real life. Here's what does exist in real life because it's true for almost every person that we work with. This is an extreme situation, but it's true for almost every person that we work with, and it it, it will come back to you in this question here in just a second. I don't know who my dad is. Mom has been an addict and a physically abusive person as long as I can remember. Mom may be the single most toxic human being I know, and I got into my addiction, which ruined my life, as an attempt to deal with the impossible grief and trauma of being under the same roof as this woman for 15 years before I left to be on my own. Currently, she is serving a prison sentence for awful, awful things that she has done. And the best that I could ever do would be to see her once a month at a place that is three hours away. Also, I don't have a car. She will be there for the next 10 years. And when I see her, she urges me to go back to selling drugs so that she can have more money. Right. 
Just so you know, that's the reality of parentage for almost right. every person that we deal with. Right. Now, how do you honor that parent? <laughs> the only thing that you can do in that situation is to live an honorable life. That's right. That's it. That's all you've got. Now, here's the thing. Most people's situation falls somewhere between yeah. those two extremes. That one extreme does not exist. Nobody has those perfect parents. There is right, no such right. thing as that. Fortunately, not everybody has the very real but not utterly representative experience that I just described. But it does mean that for all of us, we can't do the kind of honoring of our parents we wish we could do. We wish that we had perfect parents that we could just honor the heck out of, and we don't. Mm -hmm. We have to do some of the honoring that we have in our heads. We have to do some just living an honorable life. So what does it mean to live an honorable life? Growing up in the South, I heard people regularly use the phrase, somebody raised that boy right. Yeah, they right. would see someone living well, and they would say, somebody raised him right. Live a life where people say, somebody must have raised him right. Mm -hmm. That's it. That means you keep your word. That means you do a good job on things. That means you show up on time. That means you help people out. That doesn't sound like much, but people notice all of those things. Yep. That yep. will bring honor to your parents. Yep. Um, it doesn't matter if they deserve it or not. It doesn't matter if they're prepared to receive it or not. That will bring honor to your parents. I'll tell you a quick story, and then um, we'll move on to our next question. Um, I worked at the bridge for a long time. My parents have been there once, and I do not have perfect parents. Um, uh, we, we can get into more details on that another time, but I definitely do not have perfect parents. Um, we do a section at the bridge where we introduce people that are there for the first time. And so, of course, because they're for, for the first time, they stood up and, and I'm, you know, we're the brewers. And, 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 and then word got out that these were my parents. Mm. And there was an almost reverential moment in that room of people turning to look at my parents. Mm. There was reverence because these people know me. Right. The people at the bridge know me. And on that basis, they were all showing honor to my parents. Yes. Now, we can have a long discussion about how much of the work that I do at the bridge <laughs> relates or doesn't relate to my upbringing. Right. Right, 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 right. But to the men and women at the bridge, I have lived honorably towards them. Right. And so they, in turn, honor my parents. Right, right, right. You can do that, too, no matter how imperfect yeah. your parents are. And we've got your back in that process. Yeah. Fantastic point. That's all really great stuff. One a small detail I will close with that I think will, may help you think through this and kind of get a vision for it. So the, uh, we're going we're gonna to be Bible nerdy real quick. Do it. It won't hurt. I'm using the uh, – I, I can't afford the full membership to the, the Nerdatorium, so I had to go with the <laughs> knockoff Unky Glenn's Bible Nerdarium. Oh, uh, yeah. It's not as good, but <laughs> yeah. you, know, I, I, you can finesse the free trial, kind of 30-day thing. That's right. So, uh, so, again, I think that word honor is, trips a lot of people up about this because, as we said before, they just totally equate that to do whatever this person says without uh, questioning it. It seems that parents may be the people who have perpetuated a certain huh. amount of that interpretation. But the actual word, so it's a Hebrew word that's used in the, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, and then there's a Greek word that is used in the New Testament when quoting that verse. So in, in Matthew 15, when Jesus quotes it in Ephesians 6, when Paul quotes it, they're using the Greek language. So the Hebrew word literally means to be heavy, weighty, or burdensome. So it's a little easier to understand that when you hear the Greek version, which is I val to value at a price, estimate, or give honor and reverence. We're saying honor your parents. I think Glenn gave us a very good example of it earlier. It's putting the proper weight. It's, it's putting the proper weight to the things they say. 
it, and the things they have they have given you. As, as Glenn is saying, there are areas of life where maybe um, your parents have a lot of expertise going forward. You know, if if dad's a, a car mechanic, call him when something goes wrong with your car. Totally. Right. If dad is a degenerate gambler, don't call him about your finances. He doesn't right. know anything about that. He may want to offer advice on that. <laughs> and how. And given our personal experience, those are almost always the people who do want to offer advice on right. those things. That's right. <laughs> but you don't have to give that any weight. But, and that goes as well to where we started this. It's a very important point that Lee made as far as this is also dependent on the situation. If someone is paying your rent, then you have to give weight to that when you interact with them. Yeah, you do. If uh, they don't pay your rent... You have to give weight to that fact when you interact with them as well. And this all goes to, uh, ties up in that, exactly what Jed was saying there of this starts with a, what our friends in recovery would call a fearless moral inventory mm-hmm. of what's going on here. What is this relationship? What are their strengths and weaknesses? What are my strengths and weaknesses? What does that have to do with each other? And given that reality, as, as Glenn was saying about meeting them halfway, how can I do the best I can to make this relationship be the best it can be? Which, as Glenn's pointed out, may be not that great. It may the best this relationship could be may involve a lot of not being around them because yep. they can't handle that. That's okay. That counts. That's giving their relationship with you and what they've done for you the proper weight, and that's the best any of us can hope to do. All right, we move on to our final question here. This came in to the the real article, the official UncleGlenn.com mm. inbox. This says, "Here I am after an awful year, not ready to begin 2018." And I'm struggling a lot. I can't forget the past. My mind keeps on running to the same old things, people, mistakes I would like to forget. After some bad situations, my faith started to waver. And now my mind is full of doubts and I'm hurting God and myself. I would just like to be fine again. And Glenn, you did a, a fantastic job answering this on the blog, but why don't you start us off here on the podcast? Well, yeah, ultimately there's, there's being fine and, and then there's judging yourself. And that's what's happening here. Uh, I think, you know... I, I, I hear a certain amount of things like this, and I, I'll tell you what it tends to often run back to, and it's, it's a type of man, mindset. Here's, here's what the mindset is. If I have a problem with the people in my church, I'm a jerk. Mm. If I watch naked people on the Internet, I'm a jerk. Mm-hmm. If I don't think my pastor is doing a good job of preaching in this church... I'm a jerk. If I, I really make, tuned out between minutes 53 and 56 of that sermon, the problem's probably me. That's right. Uh, you know, I um, you know, I had a doubt that crossed my mind for a few seconds, and I wasn't completely sure about all of my beliefs. I must be a jerk. <laughs> um, here's the thing about that that thinking is, and I can't express this any nicer than I am now. Sometimes the other people in your life are jerks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that guy actually can't preach. <laughs> right. Like that might even be a safe bet. Yeah. Based on a, a number of churches that I've been in. Um, but it's this idea of first attack me. So let me ask you this question. Would you judge other people this way? Somebody says, well, I looked at stuff I shouldn't have on the internet last night. Would you say to that person, well, you know why? Because you're a jerk. You're the worst. <laughs> you wouldn't say that. You're I probably mean, the only person who's ever done that, propping yeah. up that billion-dollar industry. Yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you wouldn't look at that person and say, you know, you're, you're just, uh, you're depraved, and you're, you know, wavering, and uh, you're, you're uh, you know, you have all these uh, uh, 
uh, things, your mind is running to all these dark places because you're a bad person. You would, you just wouldn't say that, but you, you'll put that on yourself. I mean, and I, when I say you wouldn't say that, I mean, you wouldn't think that about another person. Um, but the, this idea that, that, blaming myself it kind of goes back to to one of these previous questions we were talking about where it's uh being the martyr it's taking all of the this negativity that's around you all the problems all the conflicts and then putting it all on yourself and saying probably i'm the thing to blame and i'll be wounded by all of these things and that way i by serving a penance by taking the punishment of all of these things it's like i'll work off what's going on here and i'll i'll negate it by absorbing it into my own body um all of this is the opposite of christianity here's what christianity is jesus died on the cross not you mm-hmm. he takes the punishment not you right it means he takes these things away not you it means that sometimes other people around you suck, and that's it. It means sometimes <laughs> your yeah. flesh does exactly what everyone else's flesh does, and you want the same things everybody else wants. And your mind goes to the same exact place where everybody else's mind goes, which is doubt, which is fear, which is lust, which is all of these different kinds of things. And it's time for you to stop wallowing in guilt it's time to give yourself a big fat break for God's Amen. sake. Amen. I mean, give yourself a break. If you want to do something new in this new year, try this. Give yourself a break. Amen. Look at yourself in the mirror, wake up, look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm going to give you a break today. Mm. Because at least you're trying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> That's something. Right. If you're in there and you're trying and you're trying to do something with something, here's First of all, give yourself credit. Second of all, get rid of all the things that are holding that effort back. I'm mm-hmm. trying to work this thing out with the Lord. I'm trying to live a Christian life. But this person is freaking me out. This book is making me feel guilty. This music is is music that I don't like or whatever it is. <laughs> get rid of all that stuff. Strip it out. Get it more simplified, more streamlined. Find friends that can understand you better, but that's, I think, where we need to start with this. Fantastic point. Lee, I'd love to get to you here. That I think Glenn makes a very, very good point about the wallowing. And mm. and, not, and we don't say that in a judgmental way. That's a, the way a lot of people were just taught to and reinforced to deal with stuff, which is if you have a, a negative thought, an intrusive thought, a, a bad day, whatever, the most uh, holy or smart or whatever you think good thing is, is just to really get into it, man. Yeah, yeah. And just really, and you may hear that couch language of really stare it down and defeat it and, you know, get down the, the pit with it and all that. I'm wondering, to, to Glenn's point, I'd love to get you to expand on this, Lee, is maybe uh, focusing on letting go wouldn't be a better place to go. No question. I think that, uh, well, first of all, I have to say, when when I read this question, I can identify with this. I think most of us can, especially folks who grew up in a church culture, um, there's a whole lot of this, of just uh, this feeling of, and and there's one word to me that sums it up, uh, the thing that leads to this kind of feeling that you're going through, that I know well, and the word is the word should have. I should have been different by now. I should have, 
I should have gotten a hold of this thing by now. I should have stopped this by now. I should have been better. I should have, I should have. You know, that that one word can just make you feel like such an unbelievable failure. Yeah. And as Glenn's saying, it's not our religion. It's a, That's a different religion. The religion of failure is not the one that we're in. Um, and I, I think one of the problems with the word should have is that we have a hard time accepting the fact that um, I'm a giant screw-up, and that's really okay. Um, and there would be, I think, for I know for me, um, it's been true, and I know for folks that I know, it's it's been true as well. I'm betting for you this would be the truth as well. There would be a gigantic release if you, with just the emotions of all this stuff, if you could just say, I really have not been the person I should have been, and then say, and guess what? Nothing. Who cares? That's over now. Um, that should have thing is holding me back. Um, yeah, I'm not, I, I wasn't the person I was supposed to be. Who was? Nobody mm. was. Um, and so that's not really the point of anything. Um, if, if, we could, if we could go ahead and say a giant who cares over all of the emotions that the word should have makes you feel, then you can walk past it. As Glenn's saying, the, our good news is so awesome, but it's only good news if you are a person who needs good news. If, if your constant attitude is, I should do better, I should grit my teeth, I should excel, well, you're not a person who needs good news. You're just a person who hasn't tried hard enough yet. <laughs> but if you would go ahead and fail and give up, then you can actually walk past some of this and realize, you know what? I don't have to be anything. I don't have to impress anybody. There was, uh, I saw this, this question come into Glenn's blog. And there was a moment on the blog post where he said, you know what? Uh, and he said, and I can't say this, uh, I, I wish I could remember the exact quote, he said something to the effect of like, I, I can't say this in, in, a, in a more technically sound way than um, the past sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. And just tell it to go away. You yeah, know? Who would want to live there? Yeah. No, nobody wants to live there. We've all got one. It, it sucks. Why are we talking about it? I think the reason that we talk about it and the reason we feel so bad about it is we're still trying to prove it. And we're still trying to be awesome because we should have, we should have, we should have. Um, just give up. Go ahead and fail. Accept the failure. And then, and then just m move right through it. It's just like, it's like taking off old wet clothes and putting on some dry warm clothes. It's just a whole new thing. And uh, we, we start with the failure, and then we accept what Glenn's saying, this beautiful good news, and we get to move into something completely new. And that's such a great feeling. But we've got to stop trying to earn it. We've got to stop trying to be something awesome, stop trying to be impressive, and just accept this charity. It's a lovely mm -hmm. point that's really well made. And Chad, I'd love you to close out here and... Uh, Glenn started us off with this question. I think it's, it's a really good place to, uh, to go back to. The idea of, I just want to be fine. Right. Which, um, again, this is not a judgment because we, we've all had that thought. I know I have. The idea of, uh, I want to focus enough all my energy into just not having this bad 
anymore. I think I wonder if the problem with that isn't it's not really the way things work. You no. cannot replace bad with just total neutrality. Yeah. You uh, you kind of have to pu- push for something good to replace it with. And that is a different journey than just trying to um, negate uh, some negativity. So how do we get on that? Well, you're absolutely right. Fine is not a good goal. Um, it's also actually not a biblical goal. Jesus said, I came that you have life and have it to the full. Uh, that's that's not being fine. That's, that's a different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're likely to be successful in your goal of being fine. Um, and, you know, the interesting thing is I don't think God would support you in your goal of being fine because the <laughs> thing about fine is it's kind of co-equal with I don't really need God. Right. I'm right, fine. That's right. I'm, you know, you know, I'm not great, but I'm fine, so I'll just, I'll just be here. I think that God wants to give you a life that's amazing enough that you really need him to sustain you in the midst of it. Yes. Um, that, that's certainly been my experience. Here's part of how I would suggest that you approach that, both as it pertains to your past and as it pertains to your future. I'm going to give you something that I promise you is true. It will probably sound like heresy, but I really want you to think about it. I want you to pray about it. I want you to study the Bible for your own self and see if you can't find this in there. Every mistake that you have ever made, the deepest, darkest sins that you have ever committed, all of them have made perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them have made total, complete sense. And in fact, at a certain point, we're basically an inevitability. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was how this was going to happen. Every mistake you've ever made, every sin you've ever committed, all of them. That doesn't mean they're not sins. They are. And it doesn't mean that you're not wrong. But um, they all make total sense. They're all completely, completely understandable from a certain perspective. The question that I want you to, first I want you to, again, think it through, pray it through, read the Bible, and, and see if, if the Scripture bears out what I'm saying there. But the second thing that I want you to, to look at is, when you come to the other side of that, what you may discover is that um, we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm-hmm. which is an idea that I just made up. That's good. Um, <laughs> and therefore, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. To receive help in our hour of need. You're on a roll, brother. Another concept closely linked that I just made up. The thing that I would have you think about is if God can be completely understanding of your shortcomings and your screw-ups and your mess-ups, if God can totally get how that happened and can be understanding and totally forgiving, why can't you? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because he's holy. Yeah. Like he's never screwed anything up. Like, is, he, is he holier than me? Yes. Oh, a bit. significantly. Uh, so, but I, uh, but if I think I did wrong, and 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 then how could God think it's okay? Well, see, that's the funny thing is he doesn't think it's okay, but he totally gets it. Right. He totally <laughs> sympathizes oh. with how hard it is to be you okay. and the situation <laughs> that you are in. Right. Now, as you ponder why you're not able to forgive yourself, here's part of how we get to the other side on that, which is. I want to encourage you to look at finding opportunities to be a listening ear to other people that are going through a rough time. You know how bad it sucks to beat up on yourself and hate yourself and feel uh, defined by and condemned for your sins and your mistakes and your screw-ups. I want to encourage you to find a way to be a listening ear to people who emotionally are going through something similar. Their, their physical circumstances may be different than your own have been, but where emotionally they're going through something. And as you're that listening ear, I want you to challenge yourself to understand what they went through, to understand the mistakes they made, not to judge them, not to look down on them, to understand how hard it was for them to be them in that moment and to offer them compassion. 
I think you can do that. I think God will empower you to do that. And here's the funny thing. If you get in the habit of figuring out how to offer that understanding compassion to other human beings, I think you'll begin to learn how to offer it to yourself as well. That's a big part of how we live that full, abundant life that God has for us, and that's what we want for you. Absolutely right. That is all fantastic stuff. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song. This week, this is from our January 2018 edition of Bridgebox from our friend, the Pool House Guru. This is a song he calls The Mountains. Stay out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, closing comments presented by this year's winner of closing comments of the year, Glenn Fitzgerald. It was (laughs) awarded at the Technical Daddies. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I just don't know if I want to change. try to run because it's scared to walk if you never had a room with an ocean view 20 hours to miami if we drive straight through if you've ever seen the mountains then you know why you should go if you've ever seen the cherry blossoms up in kyoto if you've ever seen the mountains then you know why you should go if you've seen them cherry blossoms then you know why you should grow